Well, it's a great day to be in the presence of God, in the fellowship among the saints. Always enjoy our time together. We're going to be over in the book of Exodus chapter 14. For those of you that are on the, the text list, you got the the note that Vanessa's father passed away on Monday, I think it was. Yep. She got the the call there. She was sort of feeling something in her spirit that this was coming up. And uh, he was a he was a man of God. Taught the word. Walked in the word. And he was in a retirement home that had been closed up since March. So they uh, she was able to get a visit in right before they closed everything. But had not been able to visit him since. And a lot of times there were some Facebook uh FaceTime calls that she was trying to get through, but no one was there to pick up on the other end. But the day before, day before, two days before, Friday. the Friday before, somebody picked up on that end or initiated the call, and so she was able to get that uh, that FaceTime in there. So that was that was good. But the funeral is set for this Thursday. It is in Philadelphia, so there is a limitation on how many people can come. Apparently, only 25 outside of those that are involved in the service are allowed to attend. So, um, if you are wanting to go, and we'll text out the information to you just like we did with the, the other. If you're wanting to go, just check with Vanessa. She says there will be some room, and if some people want to go, there will be avail- that availability that is there. But she will have the list of who's coming and, and so forth, and if you would like to be on that, just uh, get in touch with Vanessa, either after the service today or you know, give her a call during the week, and she'll, she will help you out with that. But that's going to be Thursday 11 o'clock for the funeral. Viewing will be 10 to 11. 9 to 11. Okay. Now, the viewing, they can come to the viewing if they wanted to. It's just the service that we have the restriction on. All right. So there is that option as, as well. And she is praising God that she received an unexpected generous bonus and time off. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God for that. Well, Exodus chapter 14. Have you ever felt trapped in your Christian walk? Like the enemy has you boxed in with a problem or a situation you just can't seem to get free of it. It might be something physical. It might be something mental. Maybe financial. But there's something keeping you from moving into the territory or the boundaries that God has given to you. you and you think to yourself, you know, if I could just get free of this, I know I could do what God wants me to do. And we're so focused on that thing stopping us, we feel trapped, we feel boxed in. Well, we're nearing the end of this series. When we started this series, we started it in this chapter. And we're going back to this chapter. We're not finishing this series completely here, but we're, um, we're going back to this chapter because there's some things we didn't look at. You know, you can go through the Word of God and look at it for one, one purpose and then go through and look at it for another and come up with different things and see different things to help us out. So we're going to head back to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to look at how we can become a general, commanding our way to victory instead of a defeated pawn. Many Christians know they're called to be generals, know they're called to be victorious, but if you look at the way they're walking their life, or you talk to them about it, you'll find out they feel defeated. They feel like they're victims. They feel like I, I, if I could I'll just get past this, I know this would happen. 
So we're going to take a look at those who got past it and those who didn't here in this chapter. Last week we were looking at the plagues. We saw that Pharaoh's heart grew hard. We looked at the reasons why people's heart grows hard. First off, he was asked to give up something. Second, he didn't see the need to. He didn't see the need to give the thing up. And third, he decided his opinion was right. That's what gets your heart to grow hard. People feel that God has asked them to give something up. And God will ask us to give them some things up. He won't ask everybody to give up the same thing. But for some people, he's going he's to talk to them about their money. But just because he talked to one person about their money doesn't mean he's talking to you about your money. What he needs us to do is to give up what our trust is in. And for some people, their trust never was in money. And so for God to say, give up the money, it's no big deal. Because my trust was never there. But somewhere, if our trust is not in God, our trust is in a wrong place. So we have to find out, what, what do I need to do to get free of this? When the rich young ruler came, Jesus said, sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And he went away grieved. He became hard to doing that. But he didn't say that to everybody. There are some people he didn't say a word to. We saw that Zacchaeus said, sprung up on his own. Jesus never asked him. He just said, I'm going to give half of what I have away. But Jesus didn't ask him to give anything away. The disciples, he never told them to sell their businesses or give anything away. He just said, follow me. And they did. God will give you words. God will give you directions that my wife was talking about here and when she was up. God will give you those steps. But you've got to have the faith to take those steps. Because just know this, if God is telling you to take a step, He's giving you the ability to do it. Don't ever go to God and say, God, I can't do what you said. Because there's power in what He said to do the thing He wants you to do. Well, we can lose what we have, we saw last week, as Pharaoh did, through the hardness of our heart. Or we can gain what we don't have by being responsive. Make sure that you grow in the area of being responsive to God. The enemy will, through other people, through reasonings or through doubts, will try and get you to compromise God's Word on the inside. That may be the God's Word that is written in His Word and that you have accepted mix faith with it and believe it or it may be a word that God spoke to you directly but other people are going to come around and they're going to try and sour you on that word they're going to try and get you to compromise that word just as Pharaoh did when Moses came to him he kept coming to him with the same thing we're going to go into the wilderness the Lord said let my people go they will go into the wilderness and serve me and he kept coming and saying the same thing to him the same thing the same thing he said well don't take all the people just take the men. Well, leave the, leave the sheep and the goats and the cattle and leave all that here. Well, and he kept trying to change something. Don't go outside the land. Stay inside the land. And Moses wouldn't compromise it. Just know people will try and get you to obey God by compromising what God asked you to do. But that's not obeying as far as God has. Now let's go over here to verse 1. 
chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Phi Harioth and between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now we know from other areas of Scripture that God took them the long way. He didn't take them the short way because He needed to do some things to, to change them and to build them up. So He took them the long way. And Pharaoh apparently sent some people out to, uh, to watch them to see what they were going to do. And so they went in a direction that apparently they weren't expecting. Most of these places that are on the map here are, are tough to find. We're not exactly sure. And I've suggested this book to you before. I'll suggest it to you again in case anyone is, is new. But the um, make sure I get the title right because I'm always mixing up the countries. The Gold of Egypt. Did I get it right? Gold of Exodus. 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 Oh, now I'm going to get this right sooner or later. I even had it in front of me the, before. But if you don't have that book, it's a, it's a fun one. It's a, it's a great one. I, I, I feel very strongly that they found a, a more suitable uh, place for the crossing of the Red Sea and for Mount Sinai than the traditional ones that we have. And they have a lot of evidence for it. I've read some of the critics of those, those things, but um, I, I think very strongly of the evidence that they had for how things worked and, and uh, where these things are going. So the Gold of Exodus, go out there, and if you want, haven't got that yet, it's a big book. Don't let it intimidate you. It reads like a novel. And they got pictures in there. And it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. If you like spy novels, it is a phenomenal spy novel book because they're going into places where they're not supposed to be. And they have to kind of go undercover and not be caught. And, and they tell the stories of how they almost got caught. And Oh, it's just, uh, it's lots of fun. But uh, they'll show you some of the, the places where they crossed. But I want you to see here in verse 2 that the place he, he has, they're going to come and camp before the sea. They did not camp before a creek. They did not camp before a river. They did not camp before a lake. They camped before a sea. Now, if you go back and you do get that book, The Gold of Exodus, they will take you to a place, uh, one of the branches from the Red Sea that, that comes up, one of the, the bays, the two extensions that come up from the Red Sea. And they show you an area that uh, has a, almost like a shelf built into it, about a mile wide. And they calculated how long it would take for the people of Israel to come across it. And uh, it was absolutely fascinating. And at that particular spot, they found chariot wheels that date back to that time of Egypt, all down there at the at the bottom, and a number of other things they they found there as well. Uh, so when they were going across, they were not going across a little tiny river. They were not going across a big river. They were going across an area that is defined as a sea. This is quite wide. This area is big enough that the entire army that Pharaoh brought was able to get inside. Before the, the, before the last ones, uh, after the last ones came down, the first ones hadn't crossed. That's how far it was. And they were on chariots and horses. That's how big of an area it was. Because they were all in the water when Moses stretched out his, his staff over it and closed it. So that tells you this is not a little tiny bit of water. I heard, uh, I think it was, uh, was it Brother Creflo who, uh, who said this? I think it was him. He was going over, said if, uh, if, if, as some critics say, there was just a few feet of water. Was it, was it Brother Creflo? You're saying, okay. 
uh, if there's a few feet of water, glory to God, what a miracle. The entire Egyptian army drowned in a couple of feet of water. No, that water was deep enough to take some, some very strong men out. And quite a few of them. But it said here, the Lord spoke to Moses. So Moses hears the instructions and he passes them on to the people. He is the one with the divine experience. We don't know how God spoke this to them. We, sometimes we hear about the burning bush. Sometimes we hear him being in the presence of God. We don't know how God spoke this. But God spoke it somehow. He has the divine experience. Not the children of Israel. And so he comes and he tells them what it is that the Lord had said. Now God has said in this word, Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land, the wilderness has closed them in. So he's going to have people that are watching them and they're going to say, he went this way, they did this, and he's, they're going to come to the conclusion that they are bewildered. They don't know where they're going. Now he goes on, it's Pharaoh will say of the children that they are bewildered. This God who did so much in Egypt, who uh, turned the lights out, brought fl- uh, the, the locusts and the toads and the, the other things are either uh, gnats or mosquitoes and just the whole land is just covered with them, who turned all the water into blood, who did these massive miracles suddenly can guide his people in the right direction. In fact, it was so bad in in Egypt that they kicked them out and paid them to leave. Now get this part. I had to cut a lot of this stuff out of your outline. But God's people look like an opportunity for those in the kingdom of darkness. God's people look like an opportunity to those in the kingdom of darkness. If you ever felt like people in the kingdom of darkness look at you as an opportunity, you are not alone. And it's not the first time. And it doesn't take God by surprise. And don't let it scare you. They may look at you as an opportunity. But that's not how God's looking at you. They saw the wilderness closing them in. They saw them trapped. Just like the enemy thinks of us. He thinks he has us trapped. Now God expected Pharaoh to have these thoughts. What he did not seem to expect was that Israel would have the same ones. So who are the people of God thinking like? People of God, children of Israel, are thinking like thinking like Pharaoh, people of darkness. I put this in your outline for you. We don't always tune in to the source that we should. Mess that uh, wording up there. You can change that a little bit. We don't always tune in to the source that we should. We sometimes are tuned into the wrong source. When we doubt God's word, we open the door to a wrong source for our faith. When God has spoken a word, whether it's a word directly to you about something in your life, or God has spoken in His in His uh, holy word, if we doubt the word of God, we open the door for another source to come in. And the enemy, all he has to do is get you to doubt that word a little bit. And then he's going to come in here with another source. Bring something else in. And then your faith will be based on that source. Verse 5, Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled 
And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people and they said, Why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? Look at this. Now it was told the king of Egypt. He's not there. He has not seen this. He is still over in Egypt taking care of business there and doing what he needs to do. But he had people go and some of them came back and they gave this report. It was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. Did the children of Israel flee? No, they left. They just, they left. They were paid to go and they just, they just went. Alright, we're free now. And so they just went. But now, look at how the report is. They have fled. When you are fleeing something, is there not a little bit of fear here? Are you concerned about the direction in which you go when you flee? You just want to get away. You just want to, to, uh, to get out. Uh, you know, we talk about fleeing from spiders and snakes and other kind of creepy things like that. <laughs> that kind of stuff happened. And, um, uh, my, my daughter was, uh, telling me at the, the, we had the picnic last week. Great for all of you folks who were able to come. We had a good time. But, uh, there was this, uh, uh, piece of cake that was over there. It was vanilla. And so I took a slice. I love vanilla. I like vanilla cake with vanilla icing. You can't have too much vanilla on a cake for me. I don't mind chocolate. Chocolate's okay. But vanilla cake with vanilla icing, I mean, this is, this is good. And um, so I was cutting this piece of cake, and just as I was about to, to take some, my daughter said, wait a minute, that's tiramisu. Well, I despise tiramisu. Because anything with coffee, coffee flavored, a hint of coffee. I don't care how little tiny bit of coffee there is. People have said, this doesn't taste much like coffee. Here's the operative word. <laughs> if there is a, if there is any type of coffee in the dish, it is despised by my taste buds. And so when she told me, she said, that's tiramisu, my, I, I didn't even realize that my instant response was to flee. I actually backed off from the whole thing. <laughs> then, then, whoa, what a minute. Don't want that, don't want that sort of stuff. That's the kind of thing. Well, you don't really care what direction you go when you flee something. You just want to get away from it. So we are giving this, this up, this, uh, um, we're presenting this information. They are fleeing. In other words, they are afraid. They were afraid of us. So they have fled. They are running away. They don't really care what direction that they go in. They're just trying to get away from you. Because if they knew where they were going, they wouldn't go this way. They would go another direction. But look at how they're going. They have fled from us, which means they are in fear. We're not in fear. They're in fear. Now, that's a wrong report, isn't it? But Pharaoh is going to base the rest of his decisions off of this report. And it's wrong. Now, that just jumps to me because how many decisions are we making in this country based on reports that are wrong? And no matter how much comes out that their information is incorrect, that their information is fabricated, that their information is inflated, whatever it might be, they still are making the same decisions. Well, here it is in the Bible. And this is not the only place where it is. But this, we're here. Just thought I'd throw that out to you. This is nothing new. The enemy loves for you to get wrong information and make decisions based on it. He loves it. God wants you to make decisions based off of the truth. 
So he says, let's go over it again. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. Was it for them? Well, it was for them to get out of the country, but now they, they were against that. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? Why did we give that up? Why have we done this? So he made ready his chariot, took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. 600 choice chariots. These are the most skilled chariot riders, riders, the best horses, the most up-to-date chariots, laser-guided missiles, all that sort of stuff. I don't know what they put on the, on the choice ones, but they've got uh, more weaponry than the other ones do. And then he took all the other chariots. And then, of course, they had the horsemen. And then you had the people that are on foot. He's taking his whole army out there, or, mo- or at least most of it. Well, verse uh, verse 8. Then the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, you know the way you can put that is, and, and Pharaoh's heart was hard. God didn't stop it, but Pharaoh's heart was hard. And he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. We spent time on why that's that way before. Don't want to keep going over the same same point. But he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with what? How was the report about how they went out? They fled. How does God describe how they went out? With boldness. Can you see the big, can you see the contrast there? Now, if that report had come to Pharaoh and says they, they went out with boldness and they may not be going in the right direction, but boy, they are going there. They are intent on getting there. I've never seen a, a group move like this. Now, before when we took this on when we first started the series out, we were talking about the pillar of fire and the pillar. We're not talking about the pillars right now, but they saw the pillars. If you saw the children of Israel, you saw the pillars. Then you saw the pillar of cloud by day and you saw the pillar of fire by night. How does that not move them? But they didn't. They came back and they gave this weird report. They have fled. But God describes it here and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So, when you go out with boldness, how many can picture that these folks went out with faith? Now, here's the picture we already have of Israel. Israel comes in, Moses returns, has the burning bush experience, does the signs in front of them, and they all believed. They're excited. All right, we're going to be delivered. And so then Moses goes before Pharaoh. Pharaoh gets upset. He um, cracks down on them. Now you're going to produce bricks without straw. And they were afraid of this. They got before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, that's how it's going to be. And they come out to Moses and they went from a place of believing to a place of fear and blame. And they began to blame Moses. If you hadn't come, why did you come and why did you mess this up? We were doing just fine. Were you really? Why did Moses come? Did the Word of God say? And the cries of his people came up to heaven. That's, so he revived that thing there with Moses. So they weren't so fine. So they went out with boldness here. So after the, the Passover and the things and the plagues, they got back to the place of believing again and they went out with boldness. And then verse 9 comes up. So the Egyptian pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Phiharoth. 
before Baal, Zephon. Now, when you got a troop of soldiers traveling with horses and chariots, they're going to make a dust cloud. And you're going to see this huge dust cloud. And it's going to get your attention. And then pretty soon you're going to begin to be able to see this massive force moving towards you. They might even be able to hear some of the sounds because they don't travel quietly. They're kind of loud. Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now look at this. The children of Israel, when they heard what Moses said when he came back from the wilderness and they saw the signs that he performed, they believed. When they heard and they saw what Pharaoh did, they disbelieved. When they heard and they saw what God did in the ten plagues, they believed. Then when they heard and they saw what Pharaoh did, they disbelieved. Can you see a pattern? When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now just a few verses before it says they came out with boldness. But they see the Egyptians coming and when you see this, when you see bad stuff coming your way, we draw conclusions. We make, we make wrong conclusions, but we, we draw conclusions. There was a discussion that was going on about some um, things in the Word of God that I was able to, to, to see. And this particular minister was, pre- was presenting an aspect of God that I know is not part of God's, it's not who God is. But this particular minister thought that he was. And in some of the uh, arguing that had gone on, he put forth, I think, around 10 verses. Now, I have very little, I spend very little time listening to people that are off. I, I just don't bother with it. It's because I can tell as soon as, as soon as they go off on something, I can tell that's, that's wrong because they have the verses, they have the, the, the verses, but they don't have the spirit behind the verse. The spirit behind the verse is just as important as the verse itself. And if you go against the spirit behind the verse, the Holy Spirit, if you go against that, then you miss the whole point of the Word of God. And I looked at the ten verses, and I this 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 came to well out of those ten verses, seven of them are out of context, and three of them the context is right, but the conclusion is wrong. Came to a wrong conclusion out of it. Now he's got ten verses to support his. Uh, his little theory. But seven of them are completely out of context. See that he missed the spirit of God. There's many t- people who want to present something as God to you to accept. But if you know who your God is, you can simply say, that's not the God that I serve. The first verse we were singing today and the verses of scripture that were being read, our God is a good God. He has good things for you. If people are going to try and bring fear and, 
and uh, envy and strife and conflict. and That's not what God's going to bring into your life. Know your God. And know the spirit that's behind the one who inspired the verses. Oh, yeah, I know. There's a spirit behind it. There are some times I've gone to, oh, was it a couple weeks ago? Remember we went into that verse of Scripture, talked about Christ came to bring division? How many of you have read that and thought, man, that just doesn't jive with the God that I know? That does not work with the God that I know. I mean, I, God doesn't. And so we spent some time on it to show you, because you've got to find out what is the spirit behind the inspiration on this. And once you see that, oh, yeah, now it makes sense. I understand that. And God wanted to, to do this. That's what we have to press into. But not everybody wants to press in and find out what that is. And so they come out with some shallow message. And they'll actually tune into a wrong source. And this is what Israel is doing. They've tuned in to the same source that's feeding information to Pharaoh. Look at verse 11. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Where do you think they got this notion that there were no graves in Egypt? Who do you think came up with that inspiration? You think, does God come up with that? I didn't have any, gra- any graves over there. I wanted to make sure you all got a proper burial, so I brought you out here. That's not who our God is. You see, when I give in to the wrong source, I will be led to a long, wrong conclusion. You've got to be real careful about it because you're going to think that God brought you to that conclusion. Go over to the New Testament. How many times do we see this? The disciples coming to Jesus. Master, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? See, they went from the source they were supposed to go. The source was, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And then start listening to another source that said, you're going down. You were going to sink. And they bailed and they bailed and they bailed, but they couldn't bail anymore. And then they, they run to Jesus. Master, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? Where'd they hear that from? As they're bailing the water, they've tuned into the wrong source. They're no longer in faith. They're in doubt and fear. So they've tuned into the wrong source. And that source begins to say, why isn't Jesus here? Why isn't he helping you out? He's the one who needs to get to the other side. You guys didn't need to get there. He's the one who wanted to get to the other side. Did he just bring you out here to die? He must not care about you. So they're hearing all these things. They're taking them in. They come to Jesus and they repeat the words of the devil to him. Who was that of us? listening to recently he said don't I think uh, I forget who it was somebody was listening to don't repeat what the devil says to God God actually spoke that to him he said I appreciate it if you don't repeat the devil's words to me <laughs> he did it in a very comical way <laughs> it sounds like something Jesse would say but it wasn't him <laughs> when Martha was in the kitchen and Mary was in the other room listening to the words of Jesus She's getting mad because Mary's not in there. She tuned into the wrong source. Then that source fed her. Jesus doesn't care about you. Mary doesn't care about you. Nobody cares about you. You're in here doing all this work by yourself. Nobody cares. You've sacrificed yourself. You're doing all this. You could be out there having fun. But you're in here trying to help everybody else out. And so she comes bursting into the room as Jesus is teaching. Don't you care? Tell my sister to come help me. And there's other situations like that as well. You can be spirit-filled, God-fearing person. 
You tune in to the wrong source, you will get the wrong information and you will come to the wrong conclusions. But you will base your life on it. That's what they did here. So they went from the place of boldness to now mutiny. Were there no graves in Egypt? Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now, if you do get that book or if you have read it, you know that the place that they found, that they would consider the actual landing spot for this, that it's uh, protected on two sides. And the, the way of coming in is... is um, uh, just from the one which I think would be f- coming from the west in an easterly direction towards the water. And they had the water in front of them and these two barriers on the north and the south. The only way out was the way that the army was coming and the only way forward was where the water was. And they have no boat. So they feel trapped. And when you feel trapped, you do things you may not otherwise do. Verse 12, look at this. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but the life that they were living there as as slaves, being beaten for not getting the the work done, not having a, a life to themselves, to where their babies were being killed because there were too many of them, that does not sound like a great life. I think I prefer to go out in the wilderness and die than living that life. That's me. I would prefer to go out in the wilderness and die than live that kind of a life. But somehow, that life is now more appealing. Even though it wasn't when they were in it. They're never satisfied. If they're in that state of slavery, they're not satisfied with being in it. If they get freed from it, they're not satisfied with that either. And this is going to keep on going as they go through the wilderness. How many times do they say, let's find somebody, elect a leader, and go back to Egypt? I think it's better. Well, they said these words born of fear. It's not, they're not born of faith. They're born of fear. When they said, is this not the word we spoke? This is showing that they vacillate between opinions. Sometimes they think this is right. Sometimes they think that is right. When we second guess his wisdom in areas, why in the world is God going to give more wisdom to you? If I second guess the wisdom that God gave somebody else, why in the world is He going to give me wisdom? You got to be careful with how you treat the wisdom that God speaks to other people. If other people come to you and they say, "Well, God showed me that this is what I need to do in order to overcome," and then you sit there and pick it apart, and you tell them, "Well, that can't be God. Well, that's not right." Why in the world is God going to give you wisdom when you treat the wisdom He gave to somebody else so poorly? Don't do it. That's, just, that's actually a quote from what I gave you way back when we started this thing. See, without wisdom, we are grasping at ideas to overcome problems. When we have God's wisdom, we can do it. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. If you lack wisdom, this don't just put this in some, well, I don't know what kind of situation that would be, but if I'm ever in that situation, I'll ask him. If you got a pain in your body, how many of you need wisdom on how to get rid of it? If you got a health situation in your body, how many of you need wisdom on how to get rid of it? If you've got a financial situation, how many of you are looking for wisdom how to get overcome that financial situation? 
If you're looking to change jobs, how many of you need wisdom to overcome that job situation? How many people are out there paying consultants to help them with a resume, to help them with the uh, uh, job consultations? We pay people for this. You need wisdom on it. If you've got a situation going on in your house and you can't figure out how to make this thing stop, how many of you need wisdom on how to fix that thing in your house? No matter what it is that we face, when we face a problem, I need wisdom on it. So if I face a problem and I cannot seem to overcome it, I can't overcome a person. There might be people in your life that are, that are obstacles to you. There might be people in your life that are doing things that you would rather them not do. And that you need wisdom. How do I get them to stop? You have the world's wisdom. But I want God's wisdom. God, how can I make this stop? And God will give you wisdom that even might help turn them into a, a, a helper, a friend. Boy, isn't that good? That's a whole lot better than the world's way. But he'll, he'll help you with it. Now, way back in the beginning, you know, I told you I, had, I needed wisdom on how to take care of the, the hip situation. Because the hip wasn't just a, a problem for me, keeping me from running, doing some stuff I like to do. It was, it was hindering from work. It was hindering me from carrying stuff. It was hindering me from all kinds of stuff. I did not go through a day without pain on the thing. It was constantly in pain. And I, I was off not running for over, well over a year. That didn't stop it. Not doing things didn't stop it. But when I got the wisdom of God, and I, I shared all that story, and I can go into it all again, and I followed his, what ended up being a three-stage plan. You know, I can go through the day, I don't have that pain. And I'm not going to quit doing what he said to do, because I don't want to go back into that situation. <laughs> but I, I sometimes forget this, but I do remember, and I know I told you this story before too, but way back when our kids were young, they were little, and, you know, we were taking them to amusement parks and stuff like that. And um, just from an injury that I had in cross country uh, with my feet, uh, it just seemed to progressively get worse and worse. And while we were going there and doing this, I didn't even know I, I had this as an issue. I knew that the, the feet always caused me problems. They had to be careful about which shoes I wore and stuff like that. Um, and I was wearing orthotics and all the time. And um, uh, just the, when we were standing in line for the music parks, and it just suddenly this incredible pain. Some, some, of the, some of the, I still remember it. I can still feel that pain even though it was decades ago. I can still feel it. It was that strong. And it hurt that much. And after a while, I said, guys, I, I just can't stand in line. So they, I had to get them to agree. Look, you have to let me do this. After I've stood all I can stand, you have to let me find a park bench somewhere and just sit and wait for you all. And then you go off and you do your, do your stuff. And so that's what we did. And I'll tell you, it's such incredible pain. And it, it progressively got worse. And I couldn't go barefoot at all. I couldn't go barefoot around the house. I couldn't go barefoot on the beach. If I did, I had a, 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 like an internal clock that would go. I know I've only got about 15, 20 minutes. And that pain is going to just be searing. And it just was terrible. And so we were down there on vacation one time. And we, before we left... I told him, I said, now look, if we're going to go, this is how it's going to be. And you're going to, if, if I'm done after an hour, if I'm done after three hours, whatever it is, you've got to just agree that you're not going to alter your day. You're going to keep on going, having fun, and let me sit there by myself. And I'll bring stuff along. I've prepared. I've brought stuff to read. <laughs> I was ready to, ready to take this thing on. And while we were out there on that vacation, 
And God told me there was some, uh, there was a basketball court and, uh, I was watching the people play basketball. I love playing basketball. I am not, I'm not saying I'm good at playing basketball. I'm just saying I love playing basketball. You know, I, I like hustling around the court. I like stealing the ball. I like passing it to people. Let them score. You know, I don't need to score. That's all right. Other people are much better at scoring than I am, but I just love running around the court and out hustling it. I can out hustle just about anybody on the basketball court, but, um, uh, other people can outplay me <laughs> easily. I, I didn't think I was all that good, but I just love playing. And so they had this pickup game that was going on out there in the, in the court. And everything in me wants to go out there and play. Everything in me. I go out there and I watch them. They're going back and forth and they're playing. Oh, man, I just would love to get out there. And down in my spirit said, go out there and play. But my foot, oh, it is so, it hurts so much. And it, it's like, go out there and play. And so I listened to it. I went out there and played. My wife said to me, how in the world are you going to do that when you can't even stay? I don't know. But that's what came up in me. And so I went out there and I played basketball. And just the movement, the, the type of landing it was doing on my foot and the running really fast, not real slow, real fast sprints up and down, it, it started helping. And it, I actually said, man, I feel better now than it did later. And I started to do, he showed me some other things to do. And I followed each of those things. That was just the first one. There were a series of other ones. I followed each of those. You know now, I can go barefoot without a problem. I can go out on the beach. I can be without shoes the entire day. And no, I'm not going to have a problem with it. But you see, there was one stage after another, another stage, another stage. I had to take the first stage and listen. Treat it as wisdom. And make sure that I followed it. And it helped me overcome that. So I don't have that, that issue. Because it was... It, was, it wasn't not an issue. It just came up, you know, for a week or two. It was going on for uh, a few years. There was, it was feeling like that. Well, he says here, let him ask in faith. If you need wisdom, ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, you go back and forth between one opinion and another opinion. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You're not only not going to receive wisdom, you're not going to receive whatever it is you're asking. Whatever it is that you need. You will not receive. He's saying it as clear as you can be. If you're going to be double-minded, if you're going to be unstable, if you're going to vacillate between one opinion and the other, you will not receive anything from the Lord. That's what he said. I put this in your outline. You can fill this in if you want. People who say, I don't know what to believe are such people. Have you ever heard somebody say, whether it's, you know, related to some current events thing, well, I don't know what to believe. Well, you see, these are people that are vacillating between opinions. Because if I'm going to have a belief on it, I'm going to go to God. And ask God, God, do I need to do this? And if my spirit says, yes, you do, I'll do it. If my spirit says, you don't need to do that, I don't do it. I don't vacillate then. Now, I've told you just along the, along the way, you know, people were making fun of eggs. How many people have been uh, telling you eggs are bad for you? Eggs are going to kill you. And then they came out and they said, eggs are good for you. You remember that? Now, I, I told you along that process, I ate eggs when they said they were bad for me, just as much as I ate eggs after they said they were good for me. Because down in my spirit, I knew eggs are good. Now, I think I told you this before, but I, and it grosses some people out. But when I was in college, I drank them. I drank my eggs. Because I was after as many calories as I could get. I needed calories. 
because I was running so much and just, you know, it was hard to get that many calories. So, you know, protein drink, three eggs, three raw eggs, just put them right in there, blend them all up, and just drink it right on down. Oh, I was drinking three, four eggs a day. And then I'd eat some, too, because, you know, they're good. <laughs> Beside all that, they're, they're, I just like eggs. I've never stopped liking eggs. I don't care what they said. Now, they'll come out and they'll tell you that coffee's good for you. Then they'll say coffee's bad for you. Then they'll say coffee's good for you. I don't drink coffee because I don't like it. I never didn't drink coffee because I thought it was bad for me. I didn't drink it because I didn't like it. If I liked it, I'd drink it. But I don't like it, so I don't. But, you know, you have things that you you like. Just listen to your spirit on it. Don't listen to to what's going on out there because they're going to change their minds. They're going to come out there and they're going to say, you know, Brussels sprouts will kill you. I believe that. <laughs> now, I don't know if they'll ever come out with that, but I don't like Brussels sprouts, so I don't eat them. But if my spirit ever came up in, on the inside and said, you need to eat some Brussels sprouts, I'd be out there eating them. Glory to God, he's never said that. <laughs> but you've got to listen to what he has to say. And if people want to go out there and give you warning, don't do this, be careful about this, just like with this whole virus thing. And I've told you from the beginning on this, this deal, they're trying, they've, they're trying to sell you from the beginning that this virus is something unique, something completely different, something scary, something we have never faced before, and it's a lie. It's different than some of the other ones, but some of the other ones were bad too. And they came on through, and we didn't change our life. But they still have some people sold on this thing that this is so different than anything else we've ever faced. It's not. It's a different virus. It has different uh, characteristics. It does different things than other ones did. But still, you can learn about it. We weren't in fear of H1N1. We weren't in fear of swine flu. We weren't in fear of bird flu. We didn't walk around with all kinds of stuff going on when SARS was around. But somehow they sold us on this one. And now... They're able to control churches, worship services. They're controlling funerals. They're controlling where people go, who's open, what's not open. You think you're going to give up this power? There are people who, are, who crave this power over others. You don't because you're born of the Spirit of God. You don't crave that kind of desire. You don't have that desire to, to do that with people. But there are people in the kingdom of darkness who do. Just go through the Word of God with that in mind and you will see numerous cases of people in the kingdom of darkness who want to control what other people do. What they spend their money on, where they go, who they worship, how they worship. This is something from the kingdom of darkness. They're not going to quit. Some people say, well, once the election's over, it's all going to stop. No, it won't. I don't care who gets elected. I don't think it's going to stop at all. I think they're going to keep this going as long as they can. Because no matter who's in the, in the White House, if they can exert this kind of control over people, they might not even need the White House to do this, what they want to do. But just listen to your spirit. Don't get in fear. Well, there's all these people out here trying to do Don't get in fear of that. I'm not in fear of what they're trying to do with this thing. I'm just going about doing my stuff. Listen to the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God says, go here, do that, I go here and do that. When the Spirit of God says, don't go there and do it, I don't go there and do it. I just listen to the Spirit of God. Then I don't have to change my mind. But this is what they were doing. They were changing their mind. One time, yeah, we're all on board. Let's go. Let's get delivered. No, we don't want to be delivered. We want to stay right here in Egypt. Oh, yeah, we're now we're all on board again. Let's go. Let's be delivered. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go back to Egypt. We don't want to. 
to the vacillating. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Jesus said this often. Other people said this often. It's a big problem in the kingdom of God. The enemy wants you to be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now, I don't think Moses is crying. Nobody thinks he's talking about the, the children of Israel. But lift up your rod. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, when had this ever happened before? When had anybody taken their rod, stuck it out over a, a sea, and see it divide? It's never happened. We've never seen a sea divided. Ever. And he just tells Moses, Moses, I want you to go out there and um, I want you to just take your rod and put it over the sea in front of everybody watching. Everybody who thinks that you hear from me. And I want you to stand there, hold that rod over the sea and it's going to split in two and half it's going to be on this side, the other half's going to be on this side and you're going to walk through on dry ground. And it's never happened before. Put yourself in Moses' spot here. He has nothing to base his faith on. He just has that God said to do it. That's it. That's a whole lot of growth from where we saw him when he took the, uh, the first signs up to Pharaoh and then Pharaoh got mad at, at Israel. And he's going before God. Oh God, why'd you call me? Why? It's, it's worse for these people. You shouldn't have sent me. I told you I was no good at this. To the point that he can stand up with that rod, hold it out over the sea. And now, even today, people don't believe this happened. Because it's physically not possible. There's no wind that can come and divide the waters. Even when you have a hurricane going through, uh, wherever it is on the ocean, wherever it is, when it comes up, it, it doesn't divide. It moves it around. You get big waves. But you never have dry ground underneath. This has never happened. Nothing close to it has ever happened. And Moses hears this from God. Okay. And he walks out to the Red Sea and holds that rod over it. Telling, he tells the people, this is what's going to happen. Now watch. And it's never happened. And he just does it. That's phenomenal. But even though God said, this is what I want to happen, this is my will for what will happen, he still needed Moses to go out there and hold that rod over. Just because God wants you to be healed, just because God wants you to be set free, just because God wants the situation in your life to change, doesn't mean it will until you do what he said to do. Moses had to go out there and take that rod. What is that rod going to do as far as separating the waters? Absolutely nothing. Go out there and try it. Take a stick. Hold it over a creek. That creek won't move. That rod doesn't do anything for it. And I indeed, verse 17, will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, not just Pharaoh, the Egyptians. And you've got to have a pretty hard heart to go into this thing. 
and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Now, now picture this. These Egyptians are going to follow them into the sea. They don't have God's word on what's going to happen. Moses does. He tells the people. But they don't hear any of that. All they know is we come up to the sea and there's a wall of water on this side and there's a wall of water on this side. And the actual Hebrew word is the word that means congealed. He actually froze it. If you wonder how it ever, ever stood still, God actually froze that east wind, separated the water and froze it solid so that it was, it was frozen on this side and frozen on this side, but underneath it was dry. And they could walk, walk right on through. But these Egyptians, some of whom lost their firstborn on the last plague because God showed up. All of whom went through that time of darkness. All of whom went through the toads and the locust and all the other plagues that went through. Every one of them went through that. They saw the power of God in their land. Now they see the power of God doing something that has never been done. Only a God, their gods never did anything like this. Only a God in heaven could do what they are seeing being done. And they decide, let's go against this God who just separated this and let's go right into the middle. How hard does your heart have to be to go in there and do it? It says the Egyptians, didn't just say Pharaoh, didn't just say they were ordered. I don't know about you, but if I was ordered by Pharaoh, I think I'd say, you go. <laughs> you go. I'm, I am not looking the way, liking the way this is looking over here. I mean, never, never seen anything frozen down here before. But I mean, that's pretty solid. Wow. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went be from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all night. Now if that doesn't move you to say we are in the wrong spot. They're in the light, we're in the darkness. I think we get the message. Let's go home. Now, how this doesn't turn both Hebrew and Egyptian around in the expectation department, I don't know. You gotta, if you went through all that, that Israel went through and then come to the sea and it splits into two, dry area for you to pass through, and it's just standing there, walls of water, probably frozen solid. I would think that most of us could be believers for life. I think that's it. I don't need anything else. I'm just going to take God at His word. If I die, I die. Put this in your outline for you. Those who do not have faith in God's word will in like matter not have faith in God's acts. If you cannot bring yourself to the point where you will believe the words of God, no matter what act is done in your presence, you will not believe still. 
You might believe for five minutes, but you immediately stop. If you cannot get yourself to the point where you will believe it because God said it, you will not be to the point where you will believe it because you see it. You will still be shaken. You will still be moved off of whatever it is that God said to do. This is why Israel vacillates. This is why they go back and forth. And this is also why Egypt pursues. Because they cannot believe the words of God. Therefore, they don't believe what they see. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Now, if you were one who, had, who went to war with chariots, and um, uh, I know the chariot wheels come off. I watched, I watched the, the movie. What was that? Uh, ben, what's his name? Ben-Hur. I watched Ben-Hur. I know chariot wheels come off. <laughs> and they are probably used to, in a battle, you've got 600 choice ones and then whatever other ones, you know, uh, cheap ones. Yugos, maybe. I don't know. I guess the 600, you know, like the, the Mercedes. And then you got the Yugos over here. And we, we just bring them along. But they're used to one or two maybe falling off during the battle. But all of a sudden, it seems that every, every single one is having trouble with their wheels. And I've never seen this before. So here you go. I've never seen darkness over us and light over the enemy. I've never seen a barrier where we couldn't cross to get over there where we wanted to be. I never saw the waters divided like this and just uh, dry land over here where there once was the sea and it frozen or however it is that's it's on the sides. Never saw that before. And... Um, but we're still going in. And they go in. As they get in there, all of a sudden their chariot wheels are, are all coming up. Never seen it like this before. Never seen all everybody's chariot wheels coming off. Now, if you lose a chariot wheel, you know you're going to be driving with some difficulty. It's not like they have a whole lot of extras. If you, have, if you get a flat tire, how many of y'all know you're going to be driving with some difficulty? you got to get that thing fixed. So now they decide... You know what? This is God. <laughs> they didn't come to that conclusion until they were in the midst of the, of the water. And um, now it's a little bit too late. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. When the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. I missed uh, verse 26. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. So God looks down upon all those guys. They came in to kill my people, to take them back into slavery, to do evil to them. They came down because they saw my people as victims. They saw my people as prey. And God has led them into this. Not really led them, but just gave them opportunity. I mean, he gave them every signal. Don't go. Danger. 
Do not go. He gave them the angel of the Lord that was between them. Kept them. He gave them the darkness and the light. They blow past all those stop signs. And then they keep on going. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And whatever it was that was holding that water back, whether they were just frozen or whatever it was, uh, they were frozen, then God cracked it, brought it down. And this water comes down with a rush upon men who are wearing armor. You don't float real good when you're in armor. And they couldn't get up to the surface to breathe. And they drowned underneath all this rushing water. Now this is not just water that just kind of casually flows back. This is water that is crashing down upon you. How many have ever been in the, in the ocean and had a wave crash down upon you? Now we're talking little waves. If you're down over here in Jersey, you know, if you're, you've got a good uh, wave day, you're looking at four, five, six foot swells. And, and they can hurt you. They can, if you're not careful with them, they can hurt you. I remember one time we were down the shore. We had a bunch of uh, people from church. Our kids were younger. And uh, we were teaching, I was teaching Christian how to ride waves. But I wasn't teaching them how to ride these. These were nasty waves. But uh, me and a, a buddy of mine, we were out there and we were riding these waves. And I think they were just, they were in the, in the area of four to six foot swells. Something like that. And I remember riding, the, oh man, they were, they were strong. You had to be careful with these suckers. Because you could just feel the power in these little tiny four to six feet. I mean, that's not real tall. Four to six foot well, uh, waves. But I remember riding one. Oh man, I tell you, I was up there and I was looking down. Riding this wave. And that wave came and it cracked and I felt my back snap. I felt it snap so much I couldn't breathe for a moment. And then it threw me against the, the ground of the, the sand and tossed me about. Oh, man, that hurt. That's why they have boards. That's why they, when they do uh, the, the body surfing, they'll have boards. It's to give you a little bit of support. I didn't have a board. I was out there without it. And, man, it snapped me. Oh, I tell you, that hurt. That's just a little four to six foot wave. You're looking at these are towering over these, these folks. This is a sea, an ocean, part of an ocean that, that was there. And this thing came crashing down upon them. That water was so rough for the first while while it's all getting settled and going that you were just being tossed back and forth, back and forth. Have you ever gotten underneath of a wave where you could not get up? Anybody ever done that? Gotten under a wave? A couple people. It's, it, it's a little scary at the, at the time. And most times I try, I try and get my wits about me and say, it's only going to last for uh, you know, 15 seconds. That's it. And we're going to be fine. So you just kind of ride with it in a little bit and then after a while you just kind of stand up. As long as you don't panic, you're, you're okay. But I watch these guys in the, in the surfing and they're doing 10, 20 foot waves. I've seen that they, they have some that are 60 foot waves. And they're riding this thing. That wave can snap them in two, disintegrate them. They don't do this thing right. This thing comes crashing down. It's no wonder that they all died. I noticed this. And Moses stretched out his hand, verse 27, over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were what? Fleeing. How do they describe the Israelites? <laughs> now they are fleeing. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. 
And Waddles returned and covered the chariots and horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. That is because of the force of the water coming down upon them, not just the depth of the water. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. They're walking on by. They are seeing the wall of water on their right hand. They are seeing the wall of water on their left side. And they are walking. And God is showing them, we've got this, we've got this back there for you. We have made a way. And they get all the way out on the other side. And then what was safety for them came crashing down upon their enemy and it wiped them out. Now, when God says this to Moses, Moses, in verse um, 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea. How does God say that to him? How does God do that? Does it just come up as a small voice in the spirit? And I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But it said it to Moses. It didn't say it to anybody else. It didn't say said it to Aaron and Moses. It said it to Moses. Now God said it then. God did not say this to him before and he just acted on it. Because he said, stretch out your hand. We're going to crash it down on those, those Egyptians that are there. They were not in the midst of the water when God was talking to him before. So this word comes to him right now. And he gets it right then. He didn't have this before. He didn't know this part of the plan, as far as we could tell, before. But this is what God told him. Stretch it out now. Now crash it. And it all came crashing down on them. And they all died. Not one of them escaped. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. They saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. What, from the pattern we have seen, what's going to happen with Israel now? We're going back to believing, right? So they saw them dead on the sea, seashore. They get all happy. You can get happy with them. Can't you feel their happiness? Once again, they vacillate. They go from complaining to rejoicing based on what they saw. There's no growth in Israel because all their actions are based on what they see. Now Moses there was growth with. He didn't base his actions on what he saw. He did that in the beginning. But he's now to the to the spot, I don't care what I see, it's what I hear. It's what God speaks to me. Now, verse 31, Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. I had to scratch this from your outline, but there's three things here you're going to see. Because they saw great things, they feared the Lord, they believed the Lord, and then in chapter 15, they sang a song. They got happy. Because of what they saw. If you want to grow in the things of God, if you want to get to yourself, get yourself to a place where you are a general that commands victories instead of a pawn that keeps getting acted upon, then you've got to get yourself to the point where what you see, you don't ignore, but it doesn't move you. You don't have to ignore what you see. You don't have to ignore the pains in your body. Or how you feel. You don't have to ignore it. You don't have to deny it. None of that is necessary. All you got to do is put your faith in what God said. All right, I see this is going on. I see the Egyptians, but God said this. But as soon as they saw the Egyptian army coming after them, they began to fear because they put their faith in the wrong things. 
And so the source comes in, be afraid, be afraid, they're coming to kill you, you're going to die. Because they saw great things, they feared the Lord, they believed the Lord, and they sang a song. If you want to become a general who commands troops and leads to victory, there are four things you need to do. Sorry I had to scrap this out, but I figured you got some paper, you can write this down wherever you want to. Four things you need to do if you want to become a general who commands troops, leads to victory. It isn't just some pawn that is just tossed about by every wave of doctrine that comes your way. First off, stop being moved by what you see. Stop being moved by what you see. When you see or feel, you can even put feel in there, if you see or feel something in your body, stop being moved by it. Oh, I wonder what that is. Oh, it's probably going to kill you. Yeah, I am probably going to die. <laughs> no, stop, stop doing that. You just, just talk to God about it. Oh, God, what is this that's going on? And God will speak to you. Just ask Him, God, what is this that's going on here? And God will say, well, that's this. Oh, all right, I don't have to be concerned about that. God may sometimes say, well, that's something. Uh, get it fixed. And He may tell you what to do. That's fine, but just get your directions from Him. Stop being moved by what we see. I can, if I see something, I can ask God about it. God, what should we do about those Egyptians? Oh, that's all right. This is all part of the plan. We're going to wipe them out. Stop being moved by what we see. Stop being moved by anything we hear. Anything. Not and say, uh, you know, there's certain things you're going to hear you need to be moved by. But stop being moved by anything that we hear. You hear something on the news. Well, you should stop doing this, or we stop doing it. Well, you should start doing this, so we start doing it. Because I heard that on the news. Of course, most of you weren't listening to the news. Good for you. You don't need all that sort of stuff in your house anyway. But, uh, but if you hear any kind of report, any kind of thing going on, Stop being moved by it. I'm not going to be moved by that. If you've got a bad report going around at work, people are going to be laid off. Stop being moved by that. Be moved by watching your spirit. Father God, do I need to be concerned? Do I need to start looking other places? If the Spirit of God doesn't tell you to be concerned, start looking other places, then don't. Don't be moved by anything that you hear. Hear the words of God. That's the third. Hear the words of God. I don't know how to describe this to the, to the level we need, hear the words of God. You've got to pursue those words and you've got to hear them. You've got to be tuned into that source. That's why I, I brought up that part about when, when false te- when, well, not false teachers, but when people come up with false doctrines, people come up with things that are from a false source. I hear it, I immediately turn it off because I know the source is wrong. I can tell. that My spirit is telling me on the inside, the source is wrong. See, I hear that. Sometimes I hear people say things. I think I told you this story before, but one of the five most influential people in my life, one of the five most influential people in my life, whose teachings were so moving to me, this is back when we only had audio tapes. That's it. No podcast, just, just audio tapes. And I was trying to get it. I was trying to get everything he was teaching. And so I actually stood there with the tape recorder Pause, pause, pause. Wrote out everything that he said. And then just looked at it. All right, I got I to gotta get I know there's something here. Got to get it. His stuff was so deep. I had to do that to get a hold of it all. And it was just, just pursued it, pursued it, pursued it. And then all of a sudden, uh, he, he sent out a newsletter. 
And now he had done some things, and I kind of was, was falling off from getting a lot of the things from him because he, he, he followed after um, something he thought was a calling, which I thought took away from what he was doing. And in the end, it really did. But I, I was listening to, or I was rereading this thing. My wife, she, she said, what do you think about this? And it was in his newsletter. And he was talking about big elaborate story, this person who came up with this thing. And after all the elaborate parts of the story, he finally came to the conclusion, well, that wasn't God. I said, well, why did it take him that long? I knew in the first two sentences that it was wrong. Why did it take him that long to figure that out? I couldn't. I was actually puzzled. Why did it take him that long? Because I really had to respect. This is the guy that in his, one of his first meetings, he, uh, no one else was doing this that I knew of anyway. Somebody stood up in the meeting, and he was like an x-ray. He saw into their body and called out, do you have a problem with this? Yeah. Come on up here. God wants to heal you. And healed right there whatever the problem was. Just amazing, uh, amazing miracle stuff that was going on in there. And some of the most incredible teaching I got on certain, certain topics just was, was phenomenal. I, why in the world is he, why is he having trouble with that? And then there were some other things that came up and he had, had gone off. Now, once he got off and the source was wrong, I cut it off. I didn't go after that source. I didn't mourn that source. I just cut it off. Well, I don't, I don't need that. You've given in to a wrong source. And it's showing. And I heard some of the things that was going on in some of the meetings and things he was having. And it was, uh, it was wrong. So I just, I just cut it off. If the source is wrong, I'm not going to keep listening to it because I don't want to keep having those kind of things going in. I, I care about the source. What is the source that you're tied into? And if that source is right, come on, teach me. You may tell me some things I don't agree with. I don't quite know. But if the source is right... You gotta, it's good for me to be challenged because I know I'm not 100% on everything yet. There's one or two things I haven't got quite straight yet. That was supposed to be funny. No, there's more than one or two things. I'm always learning. There's more out there. And I, I want to I keep learning. But you see, hear the words of God. If somebody starts speaking words and they aren't the words of God, they're from another source, I cut it off. I don't need to hear it. But if somebody is speaking words of God, I... God, I know this is you. I just don't, I can't grab it yet. I'm not getting a hold of this, but I know it's you. I need to get this. I stay with it. Even, I, I've told you some, some stories, some, some ministers frustrated me because of how long it took them to get to the point. <laughs> but Father God, I know you're the, you're the source on this thing, and even though they may not be presenting this all that well, I've got to get this. And I stayed with it. Stayed with it. My flesh is just jumping all over the place getting aggravated at some of the things that are going on, but I stay with it because I, I knew the source. I got to hear the words of God. When you know the source, you will press in. You will get those words of God and you will hang on to those. And no matter what, you will hear those words. They're going to be the most important things to you, hearing the words of God. So that's the third one. Hear the words of God. Don't listen to other sources. If somebody's cl- clued into another source, cut it off. At least while they're on that uh, particular thing. They may get off on something else and, and be fine on their, their source. Here's number four. Verse three, stop being moved by what we see. Stop being moved by anything we hear. Hear the words of God. Here's the, th- the fourth. And bring everything we see, hear, or feel back to them. Those being the words of God. Everything that you see, bring it back to what God said. Everything that you feel, bring it back to what God said. When the world wants to go through and tell you all kinds of doomsday reports, 
way back when the, the global warming and the global cooling and all that, and the world's going to end this way. Bring it back to the Word of God. How did God say the world was going to end? I know how God said it's going to end. That's not how they're saying it's going to end. I'm going to hang on to this one. I know that one's not right. Because that's not what God said. The people that are predicting floods, what did God say about the flood? Go out there and look at a rainbow. He's, he's giving us a promise. So I take everything that people want to say and bring it back to the Word of God. If it doesn't measure up to the Word of God, then we, well, I'm not going to bring that in. I'm not going to bring that into my sphere of believing. And if you keep, you keep your sphere of believing protected like that, you're going to follow in the path of a Moses instead of the path of the Israelites. If you find yourself up and down, I'm excited, I'm depressed. I'm glad, I'm sad. Back and forth, up and down like this. Then you're in the part where James is talking about you're being vacillating between opinions. Stop it. Now, it doesn't mean God hates you. God doesn't cut you off. What God is saying is, I want to get you out of that. I want to get you to a place where you're not moved by these things. And that's what he did with Israel through the wilderness. He's trying to get them to a place where they are not moved by everything they see, everything that they feel. They bring it back to, what did God say? God said, we are going. When Caleb and Joshua go into the promised land and they see the giants and they see the fortified cities and they see the great armies, what did they do with what they saw? They compared it to what God had said. And so when, they, when the bad report comes from the ten spies, they said, no, 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 we are well able because they had taken what they saw and compared it to the word that God gave them. I will bring you into the land. You will conquer the occupants. You will take over their cities. He gave them the word. Take everything that you see, everything that's going on in this world. Don't accept the fear that the other source wants you to have. But take it and compare it to God. When you do that, you hang on to God's word. We stay in a place of faith. And we change our surroundings. And we become a general who commands things like we're supposed to be. Instead of a pawn who's tossed by this wind and this wave and this situation. And when someone says, I think you ought to do this, we start doing it. I think you ought to stop doing that. We stop doing it. Now, I listen to my spirit. What's my spirit say to do? I gotta listen to, I gotta listen to my spirit on that. Would y'all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you have given us of your spirit. Down on the inside of us is the spirit of God. Our spirit connects with the spirit of God on the inside of us, and we hear from you. Even though we don't have knowledge of all things, you can speak to us and we can listen. And all we have to do is do what you say. For those people here that are facing something physical or facing something in their mind, something in the mental realm, something in the emotional realm, something with relationships, neighbors, work situations, 
financial situations, whatever situations they're facing, and it presents to them, you're trapped. Just like Israel was. Israel wasn't trapped. You had led them to a place that appeared to the enemy to be trapped, only to provide extreme deliverance. They would never have to be concerned with, with Egypt sending their army out after them. For their army was gone. I thank you, Father, for the way that you lead us. And even though it may appear to the world that we're not going in the right direction, just as Israel followed you and went to the place where they were led, it was exactly where you needed them to be to bring about the deliverance that you had in mind. And we are in the same place. If we follow and do everything that you say, follow those steps and go your direction, even if we do not have complete understanding of what those steps do, what those steps bring about. It will still work out because we are following the wisdom that you gave us. We don't understand the wisdom yet. We don't even see the end result. But you do. And we just do what you say. I thank you for it. I thank you that you're helping us to become generals ones that command their life and are not just subject to all the things that go on around us. It's not a process, it's not a place we get to overnight, but it is a place that you will lead us to. Every head bowed, if you're here today and say, yes, I want God to lead me in a direction to become more of a general of my life, not just a pawn tossed about but a general who commands and understands and hears. Raise your hand up. Glory to God. Father, you see the hands that are raised. There's room for growth for every one of us. But I thank you that you are leading us to a place where victory is in our future because we listen to what you say and do what you ask of us. Thank you for the victories that are coming in our life. I give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Well, as you are facing your situations and you come into victory, we want to hear about it. I'm working on some things. We want to get all of our, uh, our offering time and our praise report time, everything worked back into the service here. So do make sure that you send us, send us these. And uh, we want to hear what God's doing. We want to hear how God's leading you into victory. No matter how small the victory may be, when you obey and do what God says to do, oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, it's, it's good. It's good. He will help you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Have a good day. Bless some of the people that are around you before you go. And we will see some of you here on Wednesday.